I want you to repeat after me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He leads me down green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along the path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Come on, say, my cup overflows. Come on, raise your hands right now and say, thank you, God, that my cup overflows with all of your goodness. Come on, somebody praise the Lord here and say, thank you, Lord. Let's worship the Lord and say, thank you, Lord that my cup overflows, hallelujah, that my cup overflows with the blessing of the Lord, that my cup overflows with the grace of God, my cup overflows with the presence of the Lord. I want you to say with me, Lord, thank you that my cup overflows with your grace, with your anointing, with your power, and with your presence in the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, on the way down, I want you to give somebody a high five and say, I'm so glad. Come on, and be seated on the way down. Say, thank God that my cup overflows. Amen. Now, now this morning, I want to continue my series entitled Hello Summer. It's been amazing to see what God has said to us through his word through Psalm 23. Now, I want you to know that, again, I love the summer, and I, I've done a couple of firsts this summer. I thought to myself, I'm not going to let this summer go by without doing some things that I really wanted to do this summer. So check it out. I actually went surfing. I went surfing. Now, I've got to tell you that I didn't do so good, but I look really good. <laughs> I didn't do so good, but I look really good. Hey, you know, so I borrowed a board, and I realized that, you know what, surfing is a little harder than it looks. They make it look easy, you know? So I thought, let me go get a lesson. So on Monday, my friend Pablo and I, we got a lesson. We went surfing. And here's how they teach you. There's a guy, he's a, a young man. He's like 22 years old. He's got long blonde hair and he looks like he's from California, dude. You know what I mean? Like, are you from California? He said, no, I live right down the block. <laughs> and, and, um, and so here's the way they teach you how to surf. They actually take you out they show you a couple of techniques before you go out, but then they take you out and they wait for the waves to come. And it so happened that this week was a very rough week. In fact, it was a surface dream this week because the waves are really high and I choose this week to learn how to surf, right? So here's what they do. They take you out into the waves and they actually push you into the wave and they go, okay, now paddle, paddle, paddle. Now get up. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll try, right? I got up for a second. And for one hour, what they do is keep on pushing you into the wave. 
and hoping that you're going to learn how to get up. You, they show you the technique, but listen, here's the bottom line. you got to keep on falling and getting back up, keep on falling, get back up. And so for one hour, I was just falling and getting back up, getting on the board, falling, getting back on the board, trying to decide what made me, what possessed me to do this thing, right? And after one hour of that, then you decide, do you still want to do this after that? You know, and I do still want to do it. Amen. Um, uh, but, but really, you just got to keep on doing it until you learn the technique, until it becomes second nature to you, until you don't even think about it any longer. You just simply, because you know the technique and you know that you can get up and you keep your eyes. Listen to me. He kept on saying, keep your eyes on the beach. Don't look down. Don't look to the side. Don't look to the left. Does this sound spiritual to you? But keep your eyes straight ahead. And I want you to know today that God does have a plan for your life and God wants to do something great in your life. And the truth is you're going to ride the wave of God's spirit in your life. You're going to learn to ride the wave of God's anointing in your life. You're going to learn how to ride the wave of God's grace in your life. And if you get knocked down, get back up again because God says he's going to finish the work that he started inside of you. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. So we, we've tried a couple of new things this summer. In fact, last Sunday morning, we had a water baptism at the beach, and 35-plus people got water baptized at the beach, and it was awesome. First time I ever did this as a pastor here at Bethlehem Assembly of God. Now, I've, I've baptized people in, in, in the Jordan River. I've baptized them in different places, but never at Long Beach, never as a pastor, and we're going to do this every year because it was awesome. Now, we were worried a little bit about the waves because they were really strong, and then we realized if we do this right, there's a technique to everything, and so there were some really large you know, large guys, big guys. And, you know, we were like, how are we going to get them back up? But if we timed it right, we put them down, the wave would come and just stand them right side up again. So it's all about technique. Amen. Um, so, hey, I want you to enjoy the summer. Try some things. It's not too late to enjoy the summer. Now, we've been learning about God's Word, and in particular, Psalm 23, and we have been pulling out some gems in Psalm 23. And David says, this is what he says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, so as long as the Lord is my shepherd, then I won't have any needs. As long as I make God my shepherd, my provider, I'm always going to have what I need when I need it, even though I don't deserve it. He said, not only is the Lord my shepherd and I won't need anything, but because he's my shepherd, he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters where I can drink and drink and drink and drink and be refreshed by the Lord. And because the Lord is my good shepherd, not only am I going to lie down in green pastures, and not only is he going to lead me by still waters, but he's going to lead me in the right path, the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I'm riding the wave of God's presence. I'm living, listen to me, in the overflow of God's presence in my life. Why? Because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, no matter where you go, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what valley you're walking through, no matter what fire you're going through, don't fear any evil. Don't be paralyzed by evil or anything that's going on around you. Why? Because I'm with you always, and my rod and my staff, they will comfort you wherever you go. Come on. Come on, somebody say amen. 
And not only that, but he says, and even when I walk through the valley, he also prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. That, that word table means plentiful, plentiful. That God gives me what I need, when I need it, even though I don't deserve it. And he gives it to me in an overflowing way. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And he anoints my head with oil, meaning he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because it's not by might, not by power, but by his spirit, saith the Lord. And Jesus said it will happen in an overflowing way. In John chapter 7, he said you will have have rivers of living waters flowing through you you're gonna live in the overflow and as a result of that David said my cup my cup overflows my cup runneth over and so we want to talk a little bit about living in the overflow of God's grace living in the overflow of God's mercy living in the overflow of God's love, of God's spirit, of God's power, and God's anointing. You see, what David was really saying in Psalm 23 is because of all these things, because the Lord is my shepherd, and because he restores my soul, and he makes me lie down in green pastures, and because he leads me beside still waters, and he anoints my head with oil, and he prepares a table I can know that I can live in the overflow of God in my life. I've learned not to panic. I've learned not to get discouraged because there's always an overflow of God's blessing, of God's grace in our life. You see, what David was really saying was, is I get what I need when I need it because of the overflowing grace of God that's available in my life. You see, I believe David is really speaking about something greater than material blessings. Now, now David at one time, he was a king and he was rich. But there are many times in David's life that he was destitute. When he's living in a cave, running from Saul. When he's the king, but he's forced out of his kingdom with nothing. And he's running away from his son Absalom. And in all those places... In the places where he was dry, in the places that he was running, he was destitute, he could still say, the Lord is my shepherd, and I live in the overflow of God. Why? Because the overflow of God is not contingent on material blessings. Even though God does want to bless us materially, it's not contingent on material blessings. It's contingent on the fact that God gives us what we need when we need it. And sometimes I don't need money. Sometimes I need peace, and sometimes I need joy, and sometimes I need direction, and sometimes I need purpose, and sometimes I just simply need God's presence in my life. And whatever I need, God will give it to us because he's a good, good father. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, he's a good, good father. You see, there's a lot of people who have simply resolved in their heart that God doesn't want to bless them abundantly. They're Christians. They live their life thinking that, you know what, God is just, he's just going to help me to get by in my life. God doesn't want them to be exponentially fruitful in their life. He just wants them to get by. The truth is, there's a lot of Christians that are just simply getting by. They're just holding on, barely making it. And, and they can't say that their cup is running over. Their model is, my cup is almost empty. My life is dry, Pastor Steve. You don't understand 
My life is empty. Yes, I gave my life to the Lord. You know, here's the saddest thing of all is that there are people that come to church every Sunday morning at Bethlehem Assembly of God. There are people that come to this altar, give their lives to Jesus, and yet they're still empty on the inside. How can that be? How can it be that we would give our lives to Christ, that we would receive Christ in our life? The, the, the God who created the heavens and the earth lives inside of us, and our life would still be empty. Our life would still be dry. Our life would lack purpose and and be unfruitful. You see, for some people, there's no overflow in their life. There's no abundance that's happening in their life. And they wonder, is God really, really concerned about me? Does God really hear my prayers? Why am I not living in the overflow of God's goodness in my life? But you see, God promises us that we will have overflow in our life. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to have joy, listen to me, unspeakable and full of glory. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to have peace that passes all understanding. That, that our cup should have overflowing potential in our life. You see, Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains everything but he forfeits his soul? And John says, I pray that your soul would prosper in every way. So, so we need to have a cup that's overflowing with the peace that passes all understanding. The power that breaks chains that threaten us in our life. We need to have overflowing purpose in our life. Overflowing destiny in our life. Overflowing faith in our life that can move mountains in our life. We should have overflowing love in our life that flows out and touches other people. As Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to me. Does the love of God in your life overflow to your neighbors? Does the love of God overflow to your relatives, to your friends, to your co-workers? We should have the overflowing power of the Spirit happening in our life. Listen to me. God wants your life to overflow with every good thing. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The thief comes to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. But listen to me. I've come to give you life more abundantly. That word more abundantly in the Greek means overflowing. That he wants your life to overflow. And he wants everyone around you to be the recipients, the benefactors of your overflowing life. That your life should so flow that other people would say, man, I want to be around that person. Why? Because that person overflows with the presence of God in their life. That person overflows with the joy of the Lord in their life. Now, I'm not suggesting that you're always going to be happy. I'm not suggesting that there's never going to be a time where you, you're, in, you're grieving a loss of whatever it is. But there should be an overflow in your life. The joy of the Lord that, 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 that overcomes that, that loneliness, that, that unhappiness in your life. You know, yesterday we had a, a barbecue, a, a church barbecue, and it was awesome. It, it really, we had a lot of fun. And, and so I went to go meet somebody, just sit down and greet them. I, I know who she is. I've seen her in the church for many years, but I wanted to have a conversation with her. So she was sitting down. I said, hi, how are you? She said, oh, Pastor Steve, how are you doing? We got in this conversation. She's a beautiful woman of God, and she happens to be 93 years old, 93 years old. And she told me, she said, Pastor Steve, just recently, my daughter, 
she thought, you know what, I should get somebody to help me out. So, you know, an aide, somebody to come in and help me to do a few things. She goes, you know, I've told them I really don't need it, but, you know, they feel I need it, you know. She said, and so I have an aide now. And I found out when the aide came to, to, to help me, I found out that she doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, you know what, I began to pray for her, and I led her to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the aide said, listen to me, and the aide said, Uh, I didn't come here for you. Uh, Actually, I came here for me. And as a result of that, her overflowing love for God touched this young lady and she gave her life to Jesus. 93 years old. And through the whole conversation, this woman was talking about how God has blessed her. I don't know about you, but I've met some 25-year-olds and 39-years-old and 40-years-old and 50-year-old people who complain about everything in life. Oh, my back hurts. My knee hurts. My this. She didn't complain at all. She was just praising the Lord for all the good things that God that's life overflowing come on somebody say amen she was in church this morning 93 years old praising the Lord that's life overflowing somebody say amen that's what Jesus what he said in John chapter 7 he said if a man is thirsty let him come to me and drink he who believes in me as the scripture said from the innermost being shall flow rivers of living water Jesus says from, your, from, the, from the inside of who you are, from your soul, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I should walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because in my soul, deep down in my soul, God is preparing a table of peace and joy and goodness and faithfulness and self-control and all the good things of God deep down in my soul and out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and the life lives come on somebody say amen I love what Malachi said. Malachi said, listen, God is so intentional and so intent on blessing you. He wants to bless you so much that if you give him a seed, he'll turn it around and make it a harvest in your life. Here's what he said in Malachi. The the prophet Malachi said, test the Lord now and see if he's not good. He said, give your tithe to the house of the Lord. Bring your offering to God. Bring your seed offering to God and see that God doesn't open up the window of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain. That's overflowing blessing in my life. I love love what Jesus said. He said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. For everyone who seeks will find. Everyone who asks will get it. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. He said, you who are evil, even though you love your children, there's still some parts of you that are evil. He said, if your son comes to you and asks you for a bread, would, uh, uh, some bread, would you give him a stone? How much more? I love the how much more is in scripture. How much more will your heavenly father give you all that you need? You see, the first thing that we've got to be deeply convinced about is our good, good father. He really wants to bless us. Our good, good father He loves us with an everlasting love. Our good, good father, he wants to pour out blessing upon blessing upon blessing in our life. That's the how much more is of God. And so the secret to live in the overflow of God's blessing in our life is to recognize that God really does want to bless us. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, God wants to bless you. God really wants to bless you. So so how then do we live in the overflow of 
of God's goodness in our life. How do we live in the overflow? I mean, I see a lot of Christians who are not living in the overflow. So how do you live in the overflow of God? Number one, I want you to write this down. The first key to living in the overflow of God is the em- to come to God with an empty cup. Empty your cup. You see, God can't fill your cup until it's empty of yourself. See, God can't fill your cup. as If you bring your, your cup to God and it's full of yourself, then you know what? God can't fill it. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What was he talking about? You know, the word blessed means to be happy. So was he saying people that are poor, that don't have any money, that don't have any clothes, that don't, don't know where they're going to get the next meal, they're happy? No, he wasn't talking about um, physical happiness. What he was talking about is the person who is poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means that you get to the end of yourself and you recognize without God you can't do a thing and that you bring your cup to God. And what is your cup? Your cup is yourself. Come on, somebody. The Bible says you're the temple of the living God and you're bought with a price and so we bring ourselves to God. We are the cup that we need to bring to God. And we bring ourselves to God. But listen to me. It's not full of self. It's not full of Steve. It's not full of all the things that we have done and accomplished in our life. It's not a self-centered cup. It's a cup that's empty of self so that we can let God fill us with himself. Come on, somebody say amen. You know, I told you that I've done some first things this summer, I went surfing, did a water baptism. Well, last week, last Saturday, I went to a funeral. I had to speak at a funeral, and it was an awesome opportunity. And every time I speak at a funeral, I give people at the funeral the opportunity to give their lives to Christ. I got their attention. They're not going anywhere. And I always end the same way I end most of my sermons. If you, if you were to die today, do you know for certain that you'd go to heaven? And last week, it was awesome. So many people responded, said, I want to be a person of faith, and I want eternal life. And I was rejoicing in that, got in my car, and I was driving down Northern Boulevard, getting ready to go on the Cross Island Parkway and come back home. And I remembered that I used to go to this little church in Bayside. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to stop by this little church in Bayside. I'm just going to stand in the, and just look at this church and just kind of think about the memories and be thankful for the people that poured into my life. The pastor, Pastor Rubo, who who poured into my life. The Sunday school teachers that poured into my life and were a part of seeing what God was doing in my life. And I was so thankful for that. I took a couple of pictures. got back in my car, and I was going to head home. And then I thought to myself, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm right around the area where I had my car accident when I was 19 years old, and I've never been back. I am 54 years old. I've never been back to that corner. And I said, you know what? I think I need, I know what you're thinking right now. I know what's going on in your mind right now. You're looking and saying, that guy don't look 54, man. I know. Just stay focused. Stay focused on the sermon. Come on, folks. Come on. Stay with me. Stay with me. Come on. Come on. And so I, I got in my car and I said, you know what? I think I need to go back to 32nd and Parsons Boulevard. So I got in my car and I asked somebody, where's Parsons Boulevard? It's oh, just go down a little bit. I went down to Parsons Boulevard. I made a right-hand turn. And I went to 32nd and Parsons Boulevard. And by the way, do you know what a parson is? A parson is a pastor. And so I stood on the corner of 32nd and Parsons Boulevard. A parson is a pastor. 
And on that day, on that corner, God made me a pastor. You see, that was the day when I was 19 years old that I got into a a bad car accident and I was being rushed to the hospital. And God spoke to me and said, if you die today, are you sure that you would go to heaven? And that, that one situation, that one circumstance in my life changed the whole direction and course of my life forever. I was going a different way. Man, I was just having a good time and partying, and I was only thinking about myself. I was full of myself, and all I wanted is to be happy. All I wanted is to have another fix. All I wanted is to have another a fun time in my life. All I wanted to do is fill my cup with the world. Let me tell you something, young person. You could try to fill your cup with the world and sin. It'll always leave you wanting more. Hallelujah. But Jesus said, there's a cup. Hallelujah. There's a well that you can drink from. And if you drink from that well, you can drink every single day of your life. And there will be peace and joy and purpose and destiny and power and the anointing of God. God will give you what you need when you need it, even though you don't deserve it. And that's what I call grace in your life. And that's what we all need in our life. And on that day, I decided to bring my empty cup to Jesus and say, I can't do it anymore, Jesus. I need you to fill my cup with your spirit. I need you to fill my cup with your purpose and your plan for my life. Let me just say something right now, kind of getting off topic for a moment. But listen, every one of us in our life have those moments when God wants to whisper to us. See, God doesn't want to scream. God doesn't want to raise his voice when he wants to tell you something. He wants to whisper to you. And we've got to learn how to listen to the whispers of God, understand the voice of God so he doesn't have to scream. Listen to me. When I was growing up, my mother, if I was acting up, all she had to do was look over. And if she was close enough, she'd reach under the table And she'd give me a little pinch. And I knew. That's it. But see, unfortunately, sometimes some of us, we're so rebellious and stubborn. And I'm not just talking about young people. There are a lot of stubborn, stubborn men in this room and women in this room. We can get so stubborn. And God's whispering, but we can't hear it. So God's got to turn up the volume. And you know what God uses to turn up the volume? Pain. Pain is God's great megaphone to get your attention. And so I wasn't listening. God was speaking. When I was a little boy, God spoke. When I was a young man, God spoke. When I was a teenager, God spoke, but I wasn't listening. So God turns up the volume by allowing me to go through a very painful situation where they're now rushing me to the hospital, and I'm listening now. Don't let God use his megaphone in your life. Just let him speak and say, here, Lord, here am I, God. I'm available. I'm listening. And on that day, I emptied myself and allowed God to fill me with him. And maybe you're here today and you're just full of yourself, wanting to do your own thing. You will never live in the overflow of God until you get to the point where You decide, I'm bringing my empty cup to God, and God, you fill it. Number two, if you're going to live in the overflow of God, then you've got to remain connected to the power source. 
You've got to remain connected to the, the source of flow in your life. Listen to what Jesus said in John 15. Listen carefully. He said this. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. All right, so let's break that down. Jesus said, number one, that he is the vine. In other words, all of the source of life flows from Jesus. All of the source of happiness, all of the source of peace and joy and purpose and meaning and truth and wisdom, they're all found in Jesus. So in order for us to have wisdom, we have to dwell in Jesus. In order for us to have knowledge and understanding, we've got to know Jesus. In order for us to experience joy and peace and purpose and life, I've come to give you life, and more abundantly, we've got to dwell and abide in Jesus. And he said, and my father is the gardener, and he prunes away. He clips away so that you can be more fruitful in your life. What is he talking about? He's talking about the discipline of the Lord. And every one of us have to be disciplined by the Lord so that we can be all that God wants us to be. And maybe today you're going to the discipline of the Lord in your life. Don't get discouraged. Understand, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And he loves you so much that he's putting you through these painful situations because he wants you to be more fruitful in your life. Notice what Jesus said, though. You are already clean because of the, the word that I spoke to you. Remain. Everybody say remain. Everybody say remain. Jesus said, abide in me and let me abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You can't experience joy. You can't experience peace. You can't experience the anointing of God. You can't live in the overflow until you are abiding in Jesus, until you're remaining in the vine. He said, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will, listen to me, bear much fruit. You will overflow with fruit in your life. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I do a little bit of gardening myself. I enjoy it. And one thing that I know is that you need water to water your grass. You need water to water your plants. Because if you don't have water, they're going to die. And every once in a while, I forget that the only way that I can get water is I've got to make sure that the hose is connected to the water supply. And the truth of the matter is this hose is useless unless it's connected to the water supply. And there's a lot of Christians that they look like this hose. They're a hose. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you a hose. You a hose. I know. We, we, we don't want to go there. You're a hose. But you see, you're only effective. You're only fruitful. You only can give life out when you're connected to the water supply. And there's a lot of Christians that they get connected to the water supply, and man, they're feeling it for a little while, but then they get disconnected 
from the water supply, and they wonder why all of a sudden they're not producing fruit any longer. Now, you might say, theologically, how does that all work together? Well, I understand that when you're born again, you're born again. So I'm talking more about the practical aspects of remaining in Christ. Yes, when you come to Christ, it's by grace that you're saved, not by works. And when he comes to live inside of you, yes, he comes to live inside of you, and he's not leaving. But, but there is a remaining, there are disciplines of a spiritual life that help us to understand what it really means to remain in Christ. So let's get practical. The only way that you can truly understand what God has given you and the only way that you can truly bear much fruit is when you take time every day to plug back into God and plug back into Jesus through prayer. The only way that you can truly understand and the only way that you can truly bear fruit is when you plug back into Jesus by reading the word on a daily basis. There's something so powerful that happens. And you know, I've found myself over the last many years, every sermon leads back to just a few things. Are you really spending time with God? Are you really praying and reading the word? Because when you're praying and reading the word, you may not even feel different. But there's something that's happening because the word of God is alive, the Bible says. And it's powerful. And it's getting inside of you so it can do its work of life so that you can bear fruit in your life. So we need to pray and we need to read the word every single day of our life because that's the way we're abiding in Christ. But let me tell you, there's another thing that you need to do. You see, there's a lot of Christians that they get disconnected from the body of Christ. And the Bible tells us that we're one body and we absolutely need each other. So we need to actually be plugged into each other. We need to be connected to one another. Why? Because every person has a gift. Every person has a talent. And our body is not healthy when one part of the body is not functioning. When one part of the body says, you know, because I'm not the eye, I'm just going to take a walk and I'm not going to be connected to the body. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, I am in your midst when two or three are gathered together. So how are we going to feel? How are we going to experience? How are we going to live in the overflow of God's spirit? We come together. Isn't that what David said when he said, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, when they're coming together, praying for one another, caring about one another, supporting one another, loving one another, reading the word together, praying for one another. How good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together. Why? It's because it's like the anointing oil that's flowing down Aaron's beard, even down his very vestment. Why? Because the Bible tells us that the presence of God comes when there is unity, where two or three are gathered together. In my, in, in my name, I am in their midst. And friend, you can't get disconnected. You can't just come to church once a week and think you've got enough. You've got to stay connected to the body. You've got to go to Grow University and know the word. You've got to be in a one group. You've got to pray with 
with your brothers and sisters. You've got to support your brothers and sisters because and when we're doing this together, we're living in the overflow of God. Why? Because when I'm dry, somebody else is full of life and they can feed me the life of Jesus. Hallelujah. When somebody's down, I can lift them up. Come on, somebody. We need each other. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I need you and you need me. And lastly, how do you live in the overflow of God in your life? Listen to me. Look at me. You have to learn how to position yourself to live in the overflow. What do I mean by that? You know, when you go to a diner often or a restaurant, they have coffee cups. Everybody say coffee. Coffee cups. Yeah. Don't be saying nothing like coffee, all right? Not in this house. It's coffee here, all right? It's coffee. Everybody practice that, all right? One time. It's coffee. That's right. That's right. Don't forget that. But when I go to a diner, a lot of times the coffee cup is turned down, meaning that the coffee cup is turned over. And when I'm ready to have coffee, I turn it over. And I say to the waitress, fill my cup, waitress. I lift it up, waitress. Only decaffeinated because you don't want to see me on caffeine. Bring some bread from the kitchen. No, I'm just kidding. So we turn over our cup, and it indicates we're ready to drink. You know, every once in a while, I go to the Brazilian Cherasco barbecue. How many of you have ever gone to a Brazilian Cherasco barbecue? Yeah. My wife and I went one time. It was in Farmingdale. And, and they've got these cubes, red and green. The red means stop. The green means go. And if you take, take that cube and you turn it over and you say go, they start bringing you food like crazy, like crazy. Beef and chicken and duck and all kinds of stuff. And you eat and you eat and you eat and you eat. And I was like, no more, turn it over. And you know, I think that Christians need to give God an indication of whether or not you're hungry enough. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I want to suggest to some of you today, the problem with you, the problem why we're not living in the overflow is you're just not hungry. You're just not hungry for God. You're just not hungry for righteousness. You're just not hungry for the word. You're not, you're not hungry for the presence of God. Because if you were hungry for the presence of God, God would fill you. God would meet you at the point of your hunger. So how do we position ourselves so that we can live in the overflow of God? I love, I love what Pastor Jared says. He says, there, are, there is a certain type of a person that I look for when I'm looking for a leader. I look for fat people. Fat people. I said, Pastor Jared, please, that's pretty bad when you say that. I can't believe you said that. He said, no, no, Pastor Steve, I look for faithful people. I look for available people, and I look for teachable people. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you a fat person? Are you a fat person? You know, Pastor Jared, who, by the way, preached an incredible sermon last week, and you need to go online and listen to it. But last week, he gave us the example 
of the prophet Elisha. And if you remember the story, Elijah was about to go to heaven. And God was looking for someone to fill with his presence and his power, his anointing. Someone to live in the overflow of God's anointing. And so Elisha is that hungry young man who wants the presence of God. He wants the blessing of God. He wants the anointing of God. And he recognizes that Elijah has that blessing. He lives in the overflow. And so what does Elisha do? Elijah, he goes to Elijah and he says, Elijah, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Elijah tests him. And he takes him to one place to go home. And Elijah says, no, 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 I'm going to stay right by you. Listen to me. Listen to me, young people. If you want to live in the overflow, find somebody who's living in the overflow and get connected to that person and let that person mentor you and let that person pour into your life. Listen, you cannot soar like an eagle when you hang around turkeys. You cannot live in the overflow until you find people that are living in the overflow. And so he stays with Elijah. He stays with Elijah. Why? Because he's a fat person. He's faithful. He's available. And he's teachable. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that when Elijah's getting ready to go to heaven, that Elisha says, Elijah, I want a double portion of the anointing in my life. I want my life to overflow like your life is overflowing. And notice what Elisha does. Number one, he goes back home. He takes his livelihood. He takes the animal, the oxen. He takes the cart and he burns it and he sacrifices the animal. He can't go back. He has to go forward. Why? Because he burned all the bridges. Let me suggest to you, if you want to live in the overflow, you've got to make a decision who's Lord of your life. Jesus can not only be Savior, he has to be Lord. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And the Bible says that he faithfully served and he became available to God. I'm going to tell you, God never resists an available person. He's not looking for superstars. He's not looking for the smartest, the brightest, the fastest, the coolest. He's looking for those that are available. God only uses people that are available. And God uses people that are teachable and humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. How do we position ourselves to live in the overflow? We become a fat person. We become faithful. Faithful in the little things. God says, if you're faithful in the little, I'll give you more. We become available. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Fill me. You know, the, the early disciples, they went into the upper room and they became fat before God. They became faithful, they became available, and they became teachable. And God, he turned, listen to me, on the day of Pentecost, he turned over the pitcher and he poured out and 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 poured out his spirit upon his disciples and they, in turn, lived in the overflow of God's anointing, and they changed the entire world. How many of you want to live in the overflow of God? How many of you want to change your world? You see, 
your neighbors, the people that you work for, should be the benefactors and recipient of the overflow in your life. Let's pray right now. Father, I thank you, God, that you want us to live in the overflow, God. And Lord, we come today and we say, fill our cups. We lift it up, God. Lord, we want to be valuable. We want to be faithful and we want to be teachable. And God, today we ask that you would touch us afresh and anew and that we would recognize, Lord, that every good thing comes from above. And we want to seek that today. We make ourselves open and available.